Do your kids want more Mystery Kids episodes? Are you sick of the same ones playing every single day? Well, we have the perfect place for you. Head over to become a Patreon today. For $5 a month, you'll get two more bonus episodes, plus episodes that are already in Patreon. Episodes like The Deepest Hole on Earth, The Great Emu War in Australia of 1932, The Bombing of Hawaii's Volcano, The Dancing Plague, The Ohio Grassman, and some animal fact episodes about the pangolin, the ai the axolotl, and the taipan, plus much, much more. This makes a wonderful birthday present for your kids and gives you way more to talk about as a family, which is the whole point of the Mystery Kids podcast. So for $5 a month, you can get two more bonus episodes plus all the past episodes. To become a patron, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash Mystery Kids Pod and sign up today. Thank you so much for your support. On this episode of the Mystery Kids podcast, we'll be talking about the disappearance of Amelia Earhart. Welcome to Mystery Kids podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Mystery Kids podcast. We are so grateful to have you here. I wanted to remind you to go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It seems super simple, but it really does help our podcast reach to other ears and help us continue this podcast. Another awesome thing to help us out is to share it on social media. Go ahead and share it on Instagram or on Facebook. We love to have new friends starting to listen to this podcast. This episode, I actually grabbed a bunch of books from the library on Amelia Earhart. I will have them on our website, which will be in the link in the show notes. I really recommend having books because that encourages more reading in your household. And also you can go into more depth into these stories that we listen about. In fact, on our website, you will see that I include books with every single episode to encourage that reading and that read aloud time as a family. In the book, Who Was Amelia Earhart? It talks about how Amelia Mary Earhart was born in her grandmother's house in Atchison, Kansas on July 24th, 1897. The house had 11 rooms, maids and cooks worked there and dinner was served on fine china. Amelia at a young age always was searching for an adventure. She went to the World's Fair and she saw a roller coaster for the first time. So with the help of her family, she come, came home and built a roller coaster. She put these wood panels up against the shed, climbed on top of the shed in this like rickety basket. She had actually taken lard and put it across the, <laughs> across the track so she would go faster. And it made her fly into the air and crash the basket. But that did not deter her. She figured out how to make it work so everyone could take a ride on her homemade roller coaster. In the summer before eighth grade, Amelia went to another fair. And at the Iowa State Fair, Amelia saw her very first airplane and fell madly in love. Amelia Earhart, being born in 1897, we're going to be very grateful that Orville and Wilbur Wright were the ones that founded how to fly in an airplane. So they were born in 1871 and 1867. And they, in on December 17th in 1903, in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, they made history. That was the day their airplane, the Wright brother, the Wright flyer, went 100 feet up in the air. It was a rickety plane, but it stayed, a fl- it stayed in flight for 12 seconds, which changed history forever, and especially history for Amelia Earhart. 
It was in 1906 that Amelia Earhart saw that first plane fly at that World Fair, but she didn't start to fly planes until much later. Amelia actually worked in a hospital until World War I was over because she wanted to help the people that were injured during the war. On Christmas Day in 1920, her life changed forever. She was 23 years old at the time, and her father and her were with a crowd of pe- people on Long Beach, California, when they all looked up in the sky and there was an air show taking place. Pilots raced across each other to their other planes. They did incredible tricks like wing walking. Amelia was absolutely fascinated. How much would it cost to take flying lessons? Three days later, her father took her to Rogers Field because there wasn't airports or runways at the time, and he took her on her very first plane ride. The flight was 10 minutes long, and the pilot sat in front while Amelia sat behind him. The cockpit was cockpit was completely open. Amelia and the pilot wore goggles to protect their eyes. It bounced on the bumpy field for takeoff, then it slowly rose into the air. Right away, Amelia was hooked. Later said, as soon as we left the ground, I knew I, myself, had to fly. Amelia found flying lessons that would cost a dollar a minute, which in 1921 was a lot of money, but Amelia was willing to pay. Within a year of taking that first flight with a pilot, she obtained her own pilot's license. Amelia decided to make a world record. She didn't tell anyone, but she wanted to fly the highest. And so it took two attempts, but Amelia flew through the fog and finally made it 14,000 feet, more than two and a half miles in the air. But then her plane's engine began to fail. Amelia brought her plane down very fast. She was just barely able to make a safe landing, but she had made her record. In 1927, a man named Charles Lindbergh made news all over the world. He was the first pilot to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. It took him more than 33 hours to fly from Long Island, New York to Paris. George Putnam wanted to do the same thing, but he wanted to have a woman go with him so that she would be the first woman to cross the Atlantic. He ended up meeting Amelia Earhart and decided that she was it. She was going to be called the captain, even though she was just a passenger. Amelia said, when a great adventure is offered to you, you don't refuse it. That's all. At that time, it was a very dangerous trip to make. 14 other people had died trying to cross the ocean. Three had been women. Still, two other women were two other women pilots were actually trying to plan this adventure as well. But Amelia and George Putnam wanted to be the very first. A plane called Friendship took off from Boston on June 3, 1928. However, the crew had to land in Canada because of bad weather. Many days went by and the Friendship was still not able to take off. It actually went with a man named William Stoltz. He was going to be the captain. On June 16th, Amelia made the decision. Ready or not, they were going. William and his co-pilot, Slim, took turns flying the plane. Amelia wrote notes in her journal. After 20 hours of flying, they knew where they were low on fuel. Could they fly and land in time? 20 hours and 40 minutes after taking off from the Canadian coast, they had done it. On June 18th, 1928, Amelia Earhart became the first woman to fly across the Atlantic Ocean. In 1929, she became known as the best-known female pilot in America, but she wanted to fly even more. So a week before she turned 32, Amelia purchased a second-hand plane. It was a big plane that was hard to handle, but it was built for speed and distance. She wanted to set more records. 
The first women's cross-country air race was going to be held later that summer. It was called the Women's Air Derby. Whoever flew from Santa Monica, California to Cleveland, Ohio in the shortest time would win, win, and Amelia was eager to enter. Course, which went over the Rocky Mountains, was very dangerous. The Rules Committee considered changing the flights. They also considered having a male co-pilot go with them so they could feel more safe. Amelia was not happy about this. She wanted to do it all on her own. August 18, 1929, 19 pilots, including Amelia, came to take place in Santa Monica, California for the start of the race. The race was supposed to take eight days, but there were many complications. Things broke down, landing fields were not in good shape. On the second day, Amelia's plane flipped over on landing. She wasn't hurt, and she was able to fix her plane and keep racing. But others were not so lucky. Some planes went off course and crashed. One pilot died in the mountains of Arizona. Seven days later, on August 25th, the race was over. Only 11 out of the 19 women had finished. Amelia Earhart had been in third place, but she had learned many things from this race. November 2nd, 1929, 26 women met in an airplane hangar in Long Island, New York. They began to start their own group called the 99s. This group was to encourage other women to learn how to fly and join their group. Amelia Earhart was elected the first president of the group. On February 7th, 1931, after many times of being asked by George Putnam to marry Amelia Earhart, she finally agreed and they got married. Newer planes can continue to be made so that they were safer, not made out of wood, but made out of metal. And on January, on a January morning in 1932, she was having breakfast with her husband when she put down her paper and said, do you mind if I flew across the Atlantic all alone? May 30th, 1932 was the fifth anniversary of the Lindbergh flight. George thought it would be a perfect day for Amelia to take flight. Took off from Canada, and after a grueling night, she made it to Ireland. She was 34 years old at the time. She made it back. President Herbert Hoover presented her with a medal at Washington, D.C., Amelia Earhart still had another dream. She wanted to fly all the way around the world, which would be a 29,000-mile trip. Amelia and George hired two navigators to fly with Amelia. They would help Amelia stay on course. Flight would go from east to west. She would take off from California, heading towards Hawaii. On March 17, 1937, the Electra, the name of her plane, left Oakland, California, Amelia and her two navigators arrived in Honolulu about 16 hours later. The first leg of the trip was a success. Then there was an accident. When Amelia was taking off from Honolulu, the plane lurched out of control, creating some pretty bad damage. Because of this delay, one of the navigators could not continue the flight. That left only the other men, Fred Noonan. Now, because of another change, due to the weather pattern, the flight path had to be reversed. Amelia would now fly from west to east. On May 21st, Amelia left Oakland, California, headed east to Miami, Florida. The whole world was watching. Trip started off well. She went from Miami to Puerto Rico. Then she flew along the east coast from South America to Venezuela. Then on to Suriname and Brazil. The Electra was holding up well. There was not much room to move around, but she continued to communicate with Fred by passing notes on a fishing pole. It was better than climbing over the extra fuel tanks. In the first week, she had flown over 40 hours and 4,000 miles. She then flew over the Atlantic and crossed Africa. And within three weeks, she had 
flown 20,000 miles in 135 hours. July 1st, Amelia had reached New Guinea. From New Guinea, she would go to Howland Island and then on to Honolulu, Hawaii. The next and last stop would be Oakland, California. There were only 7,000 miles left on her 29,000-mile trip. All of these miles were over the Pacific Ocean. She took off from New Guinea on July 2nd. It was supposed to take about 19 hours for her to land in Howland. Howland was a really tiny island in the Pacific. It was only two miles long and three quarters of a mile wide. It would be very hard to find, but it was the only place of land that she could stop to refuel. Coast Guard ship was sent to Howland so that she could make sure to see it. She had radio contact with New Guinea after she left for seven hours, but then she went out of range. Amelia was supposed to reach Howland Island early the next morning. Throughout the night, the radio men on the Coast Guard ship heard shot messages from Amelia, but they could not tell how far out she was. The captain was getting worried. Got a brief message from Amelia. We must be on you, but cannot see you, and the gas is running low. Been unable to reach you by radio. Amelia at that point was searching for Howell Island, but could not find it. A rescue mission immediately begun. More than 4,000 men on 10 ships searched the Pacific. Another 65 airplanes flew to help in search for Amelia and Fred. So what happened? Did Amelia's airplane crash into the Pacific Ocean? Or was she able to find some remote island? People are still looking for Amelia's airplane today. Is it underwater? Was she left on an island? Was she taken captive? This was the woman who said, you can do anything you decide to do. She did it. She broke world records and changed the course of how women are seen today and helps everyone believe they can do anything they want to do. Amelia Earhart's disappearance was a struggle for the world because everyone really loved her. They thought she was amazing and fantastic and they wanted her to live a long and full life. So what could have happened to Amelia Earhart? Many people believe that she crashed and sank, that they ran out of fuel and the plane disappeared into the ocean. A lot of people think that she wouldn't waste time searching for the island when she knew she was struggling with fuel levels. So they think that she might have gone and looking for another island and got stuck on a remote island. Another thought is that Fred and Amelia were taken hostage by Japanese forces since this was during about World War II times. They aren't really positive on the theories, but this Japanese theory looks as though it might be possible. In fact, I'm going to do a whole Patreon episode dedicated to this picture that was taken that they believe that Fred and Amelia were taken as hostages. I will have the picture on our website, but go ahead and become a patron for $5 a month to get this bonus episode all about Amelia Earhart and one of the theories about why she disappeared. Porter's Ponderings What do you think happened to Amelia Earhart? Would you like to fly a plane one day? What would you like to be when you grow up? Some of the books we used in this episode were um, Who Was Amelia Earhart by Kate Boehm Jerram, which I will have all of these on our website, which is linked in the show notes. Also, Little People, Big Dreams, Amelia Earhart, Night Flight, Amelia Earhart Crosses the Atlantic, and this one, which was fantastic, it's called 12 Unsolved Mysteries, and it's by Brandon Terrell, and it actually has a few of the unsolved mysteries that we've already talked about in our show, including the um, 
Roanoke colonies, the ghost ships we talked about, and more that I'm sure we will do more episodes on. It is time for Creature of the Week, and so I obviously wanted to pick a creature that was in flight. I actually chose the bird with the longest wingspan, what is known as a wandering albatross. They look like giant singles, but your chance of seeing one is very, very limited. It's very rare for them to come to land, except to have babies. And then they go to a remote island that rather than any beaches where they could be seen. One of the neatest things about the albatross is their extremely large wingspan. They can reach 11 feet, which is almost as twice as tall as your dad. They have wings like a glider. The albatross can glide for hours above the ocean, floating on a breeze. And when they get tired, they float to the ocean water. I already said it spends most of its life at sea, except for when it comes to breeding. And then it comes on an island that's quite far away and sleeps on its the water surface during the day, gliding and flying, searching for food, which is abundant. So they spend most of their life in the sea looking for food. Then they come to these small islands and that's where they breed and have their young and continue to go back to the sea when they are ready. They're monogamous, which means that they have pairs that mate for life. They have the same courtship displays as other species where they do bill circling and sky pointing. Um, They kind of do this dance similar to the spider, the peacock spider we talked about in the last episode, but they're not as bright and colorful as the peacock spider. So this is one of the world's largest birds. Sometimes they can eat so much they can't fly and have to rest in the water. So they can drink salt water, which we as humans can't drink. It's really bad for us. It tastes gross. It'll make us really sick. But the wandering albatross has a special gland above its nasal passage, which produces a high saline solution to help maintain the salt levels in its body so it can deal with all the salt water it takes in. The older a wandering albatross gets, the wider its body becomes. It can live over 50 years, which is a really long time for a bird. It can fly at 127 kilometers per hour or 78 miles per hour. Albatrosses gather together in large colonies to mate. Albatross moms usually lay one egg and both the mom and dad sit on the egg to take care of the hatchlings. They eat fish and squid. Sometimes they follow boats to eat their garbage. And Eskimos used to hunt these giant birds. I hope you loved all these strange facts about the wandering albatross. On the next episode of the Mystery Kids podcast, what happens when strange blobs fall from the sky? Thanks for listening.